Today's podcast is brought to you by Auto Conversion. B2B companies are faced with a multitude of challenges today when it comes to sales and marketing. The perpetual need to be creating demand will almost never subside. But with so much noise in the marketplace, how can your company's message cut through and reach your target audience? At Auto Conversion, we have a way. Through conversations and relationships, we help our clients form, package, and deliver their branded messages in unique ways that create awareness, spark interest, and drive demand. Find out how in our brand new B2B Demand Generation Quick Start Guide, which you can download free today at www.autoconversion.net or by texting ACB2B to 555-888. That's ACB2B to 555-888. If you aren't growing your business, then your business is shrinking. Get the free guide today. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. Four, the robots are listening. The three. robots are listening. Okay, we've arrived here, folks, here at the Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show. I'm Ryan Girardi. Happy hump day to everybody. It's Wednesday, July 24th. Thank you for being here and, uh, and tuning in, whether you're here live or watching the video replay later in the day, in the evening, or maybe couple days later. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. Great to have you here tuned in to the podcast as well. So I have Sean Welsh on the wings. Sean, let me bring you on just since I'm talking to you. I don't want you to be invisible. But um, do you have uh, an audio echo on your end? I got nothing on my end, my friend. Clean, beautiful, sounds great, looks great. Okay. So this is on my end. Let's figure out why I am hearing that. All right. What's up, man? Not much, man. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. I'm like, I'm talking, but I'm hearing me like 10 seconds later and it's like, I got to figure this out and now it's gone. So, uh, so really cool. So Sean, welcome to the show. We've known each other at least a, a year. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years. Yeah. Um, in fact, I know you from your podcast, five minutes with Sean, maybe 10, which I think found me on LinkedIn somehow. And so I've been tuned in and trying to keep up with all your uh, vivid, dynamic content. You do a great job, and I, I like what you do. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, the podcast is a lot of fun. We're, uh, we're coming up on 100 episodes. It's been going on for quite a bit, and uh, it's a wonderful outlet for me. It's, it's, it's digital, digital therapy, and again, I, I wasn't a big social media person uh, up until about two years ago, until it, I guess it became hip to, uh, to be honest, I guess. I don't, I don't know any other way to say it, but now that it's hip, uh, it works for me pretty well. Yeah, talk to me about that because you know, people that know me know that I have my challenges with Facebook specifically. I lost a lot of viewership when I took this show from Facebook to YouTube, um, but I was very committed to using YouTube for, from a streaming platform to do my videos, and I just don't spend time on Facebook. And you're kind of in a similar boat. You've, you're more of a LinkedIn guy. You, you have your podcast. You do your YouTubes. And is, are you in this, like Facebook, is that like the, the monkey on your back for you? You know, it's really controlled by Steph. You know, those of you who don't know Steph, she runs all the back end of CarBiz Finance. She runs all of our production on the video side, uh, at least while we're doing the shoots. And so she, she handles Facebook. You know, man, it's just not somewhere I've ever been. I'm not actually on there. Yes, you will see a picture. It looks, I'm in the exact same shirt. Yes, I am on there. Uh, but that is not me. Uh, Steffi Manzat account. We put it out there. We have a decent following that we've gotten over the years. 
Uh, so we release it there, but it's certainly not where I go to engage. Uh, LinkedIn for sure. And then the fact of YouTube just being so evergreen, you know, never, never going away, always going to be there. Um, it's cool, but, but like you, we put it out. Five minutes goes on every podcast network, uh, both audio and visual, right? And just audio only. Uh, we do YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all those places. And so you've got to kind of look at the whole story because if you looked at our YouTube page, you'd be like, well, who cares about 28 views? And that's why I get that. I actually care. I think that'd be kind of cool that 30 people listen. But when you look at all the networks, that's a couple thousand people a week that tune in. And uh, for me, again, I, I do it because I have people who I talk with who aren't willing to say things publicly. Um, and I just don't, I don't have that concern about where I'm going next that I wouldn't say something that I was behind publicly or not. So. Mm-hmm. No, people get caught up in numbers a lot. I mean, you know, when you look at uh, pop culture YouTubers and, and big name brands and they're, they're all about the, the advertisers and, you know, millions of subscribers and millions of views. And that's a, that's a realm. But for our business, every relationship, every individual relationship has so much meaning and value. So yes, if you're getting 20 or 30 people consistently checking out your YouTube videos, that's great, you know, because not many people in the business can get 20 or 30 people uh, attention from, you know, people consistently over time. Keeping people's attention over time says a lot and you're doing that. Yeah, we've been doing a lot. You know, it's funny you say that though, because uh, last last summer I had a nephew, you know, 11, 10 years old come up to me and he says, well, you're on YouTube. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm on YouTube. I give him the channel. He looks at the channel. And he's like 50 or whatever it was, like 75 subscribers. And he's like, you don't even have 100 views on this video. He's like, who cares? And it was just this idea like, okay, well, I'm not here for 11 year olds. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm here for business connections. And, and the reason we started the podcast, honestly, um, was to A, be able to get some things out there that I've been ahead of the curve on a few things. And because I didn't have a public forum for it, I wasn't really able to spread the message. And now that I've been able to spread the message and stay out ahead, it's helped more people stay out ahead. And so I, I like it for that. But more importantly, Ryan, the biggest reason, and you can look at the podcast, if you look at the, the playlist and you look at episode one and you start going down from there, the numbers deteriorate so bad from all from one all the way to today. And that's actually, to me, it's a good thing because I use the podcast to have people, yeah, here you go. Like if you look at the view numbers, right? Which it doesn't, it shows differently on my phone than it does here. But yeah. when, when you see it, you see the views go down and down and down and down and down. And, and what it tells me is that we started it so that we could actually weed out people who wanted to do, who did not want to do business with us. Mm-hmm. So instead of having a bunch of conversations with people who are like, well, what are you about? How do you do things? So on and so forth. We simply say, take 10 minutes, watch our episode, see what you think. And, and to us, that's been the best part of it is it's kind of like the anti-marketing, right? We don't really, we, 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 after the first year, we never marketed again. So we use the podcast as, as the marketing, as the idea, and then we do the spinoffs, which you have up here in the Carbiz Chronicles. They're, they're, they're an educational spinoff. See, so the five minutes with Sean, that's me on my stump saying what I got to say, being who I got to be. And then the Chronicles, that's about bringing people together to educate our industry to make everyone better. And okay. that's really the goal of it. So we're getting ready to start season two on the Chronicles here uh, to be released this fall. So it's an exciting time for that. So I'm a little OCD. I want to put a disclaimer out there. I am subscribed to your channel, but I am viewing it through an alternate browser. 
with a YouTube channel that I don't use for, uh, for the business. So that's oh. why it shows it's not subscribed. So I okay. want to let you and everybody know I am subscribed, but on a different YouTube account. But you know what? I might as well subscribe here. And, you know, while you were talking, I, what I was thinking about is when you, look at, when you look at B2B marketing today compared to five years ago or 10 years ago, you know, there was a time when your email list was your, was your gold. That was your right. gold mine. And right. you, and the, we spent so much money on it, bud. We spent five years ago, we spent so much money on that list. And then I hired it to an outsourced BDC, dude. That's how far I took it because I was just like, get me on the phone with an owner. Give me 10 minutes. That will give me all I need. Zero, Ryan. Well, Zero. Here's, how, here's, here's the practicality of it. You can acquire email addresses and put them into your database. But what you can't do is make somebody subscribe to your podcast. Correct. So or if you think about that list after 90 days, how many of those people even work there? Exactly. You get you, the bounce rate, the turnover. So that's why when you send an email out in B2B land to let's just say 10,000 people and you get a, you get like a 12 or 15% open rate and you get a, a one or a 2% click rate, we'll do the math, right? You're back down to a, a couple dozen people. <laughs> so in that sense, you know, doing media like you're doing, right? Putting, putting YouTube videos up there and putting podcasts up there not everybody that listens on the podcast is watching your YouTube videos and vice versa. Yep. And some people maybe like me, I kind of bounce between the two of them. So yeah, it, it really adds up. And I, and you're seeing that. And that's yeah, folks, no, that's why I wanted Sean up here to really, you know, share it's that. It's crazy. It's crazy what it's done because again, people are like, Oh, your social media, this, you're that, you know, people use the word influence. Like, dude, no, I just two years ago decided to bring this message online. And like I said, it just happens to fit with what people want to hear, which is fine. It's great. But this is who, when this camera turns off, this is still who I'm going to be, right? When I turn on next week's podcast, that's still who I am. So I like it from the sense that I don't have to be anyone different. Um, we don't have any high effects. I don't have editing, right? And the podcast, any of them, as a yeah. matter of fact, both, the pod, both five minutes and the Chronicles are done without edits, yeah. without secondary. The only thing that happens on the Chronicles and on car and on five minute interviews with people is the people have the option before we release live to decline. So anyone I have on my show or anyone I have in the Chronicles, once they see the finished footage, if they don't want to do it, then we'll, we won't push it live mm. to this point. We've never had to do that, mm -hmm. but we're, we're, we get approval. We ask for approval because if you're not comfortable, maybe I got you excited. Maybe you said something you thought don't want the bosses hearing that. That's fine, but I'm not pulling it out. So it's either it's all at all or nothing because the editing thing to me, it comes across a little bit odd and I just never really liked it. So let's just keep the conversation running. I'm looking at some of the comments here. Um, Amanda's chiming in quality over quantity really applies. Um, and you know, I think going back to you, your content, you're not, they're not high production, no frills. Um, and you don't need that. When I look at your engagement on LinkedIn, Sean, you draw more engagement on LinkedIn through your videos than just about anybody else that I see out there on LinkedIn, including those out there that put a lot of time into their video production. Well, I'll be honest with you too. I'm a tagger. You know, I don't know how social media works, right? So I tag people because people say to me, Sean, I didn't see your message. I don't understand the algorithm. I don't know what's in your feed, what's not in your feed. So I, I tag people. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a nuts about it, right? So if people don't want to be tagged, they can simply request that. It's no problem. Uh, it's only happened 
once ever in my life, uh, but that's fine. Um, and, and so when those things happen, right, it, 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 it kind of took me back because I didn't know that that was like a social media faux pas to tag people. Um, but the reason basically they didn't want to be tagged is because their shit was going off because every time they get tagged, there's a lot happening. And so, okay, fine. That's no big deal. But, but again, Ryan, back to it, people like, I, there's a lot of people I follow that are, that are multiple pieces of content every single day, right? We have a content schedule. It's Monday and Friday. That's a schedule. That's a schedule. The 30 seconds with Sean is simply a recap, a little bit of fun. I'm probably out hiking or I'm outside somewhere. I do a little bit of that. And then we move on. I do it just for fun so people remember about what we talked about on Monday's show and hopefully they check out the next Monday's show. But it's, it's not, it's all done through a cell phone camera and a blue Omni uh, mic. That's it. That is as simple as it gets because if it were going to be any more, I'm out. I'm not, I am not about all this tech and craziness. I love Ryan. He's got his headphones on. I don't, I don't even do that. I, if I can hear you, we can work. I'm good. It's just something where we keep it so simple that I think a lot of people are taken back by it and don't believe that it can be that simple. But I'm telling you, social media, if you've got an opinion, it ain't that hard. You just have to be willing to listen to people who don't like your opinion and be able to handle that. And in my case, I couldn't care less. No, I like it. I like it. So let's do this. Um, I'll, I'll circle back around to Carbiz done better towards the end a little bit. Okay. But you're you're in the auto biz. You've been in the auto biz a while. You know anyone that knows you, you're opinionated. You can tell you you got a lot of passion about things. Big news recently came out that CDK is uh, plans to divest its digital marketing business. I know that I was not surprised. Not that I was anticipating them to do that, but when I when I read into it. I wasn't surprised, uh, and I have my opinions about you know, uh, about that. But I'd love to hear you chime in. It's pretty big news. Uh, I'd love to kind of hear your take on that development. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's big news because a big company wants to sell a big portion of what they do. Um, honestly, though, uh, in order, they never invested in it in the first place. So they just acquired COBOL and didn't change a whole ton, right? They didn't acquire new contracts. As a matter of fact, they lost OEM contracts throughout the way. Um, they did some on the consulting side, but on the marketing side, really missed out. So, uh, Ryan, I don't really get the whole hubbub. Um, I made this analogy to you earlier. I mean, as of when the clock strikes midnight on Halloween, the GM contract is dead. So who cares? What are you selling? It's it's It's... It's funny, it's called divesting, right? I think they use divesting because they can't use the word selling because it's a fire sale. Because frankly, who cares? What are, you, what are you acquiring? What are you truly acquiring when you buy this? Now, I'm sure there's already some ridiculously big conglomerate in negotiations to buy whatever rooftops are available to you, but a good, you better buy it post-November 1st because a minimum 500 to 750 are gone come the morning of the 1st, if not more. So I just don't, I don't get it. People are up in arms and people are like, oh, get, get CDK out here. Explain to their clients while they're selling their business. Like, dude, first of all, it's business. It happens all the time. And second of all, what's it going to change? Is something going to happen tomorrow that I didn't, that I don't understand about? Like CDK websites are all of a sudden going to be bad tomorrow. Like they were never good. So I don't, I just, I'm, I'm really unclear as to what we're hoping to, to get from this besides people trying to get cheap ass publicity off the back end of a company selling a business they never invested in the first place. Hmm. So I'll, that's a good take. I'll, I'll throw my two cents in there. Uh, you know, I like yourself do a ton of media and digital marketing and 
I always try to be on the forefront because digital marketing is, it's a moving target. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't sit still. Um, you, know, you know, do I still use email? Yes, but you know how much time I put into it? Zero. I have two blogs and the, the RSS feeds hooked up to my email database and every time I publish, it sends an email out. And you, as a receiver, you can say I want it once a week, once a month, or just send me everything. I don't put any time into my email. It's just a branding tool, right? Yeah. Um, but video, stuff like this, I'll put 10, 15 hours into this show. From head to toe, 10 to 15 hours into this show. So, but two years ago, if we, two years ago when we started doing this, it was, it was cutting edge. Now it's mainstream. That's how much of a moving target that is. So when I see you know, CDK trying to, to have a scalable, profitable business providing digital marketing to car dealers, that just seems like a losing battle. Like I, I'm, I'm more curious to see who picks up the business. All right. That's <laughs> who what wants saying. the business? There, there's somebody there who's like, well, okay, give me whatever, whatever Chevy dealers didn't leave. Okay. Which is really, I mean, there's not a ton else because it's not like we're talking about selling the DMS items. They just acquired Ely. So that's not the discussion. People need to make sure they understand that. This is simply about digital marketing, websites and pro advocates. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so what you're acquiring could potentially be to beef up your support. That move I get. That move I get. And I can see why Cox or some, some other big, just some other big companies like, you know what? I can get 200 support employees overnight. And that, and that will cost me X. That's really the only value of that digital business from where I sit. It's just that, and I know I, I've been a CDK kind of outward guy for a while as far as just the value of the product, et cetera. But there's a reason this contract didn't get renewed. And Ryan, let me ask you this. If that contract does get renewed and there are no new website vendors November 1st, are you and I having this discussion? Say that again. If the, if the, when does this contract expire? You November 1st, from all, everything I've heard from multiple sources, both at GM and at website companies, November 1st, there are now four opportunities to, for dealers to go and talk to instead of just singular one. Right. If they didn't lose that deal, if it was still just them for another two-year agreement, are we having this divesting conversation? Mm, probably not. No, probably not. So I go back to my original point. LeBron James leaves the Cavaliers. Now season tickets cost $8. Does anyone really care? No. So it's, it's good for them. They can make some money on it on something that's been probably a losing proposition since they bought Cobalt because they never really got behind it. So in your opinion, not really big news, just a little bit over a little bit bloated. I think it's, I think it's easy publicity for people and, and they, those people know who I'm talking about who want to glom onto highlights and then bring people from CDK on to try and prove a point. It, it, it's just it's, it's useless propaganda. We have so many other problems right now. It's funny. My business partner yesterday and I were talking about this. And the question was, he said to me, hey, I saw this on the show sheet. What do you think? And, and he, I said, dude, here's the deal, right? The basement's flooded because the toilet's overflowed. Um, but the problem is the roof's on fire. And we're worried about the overflowed toilet. So it just doesn't matter to the bigger issues in our business, which have to do with people being able to work with a customer more cleanly, the ability to make the online appearance easier, the transaction, it's still not going to be online, but it has to be easier and faster. So there are bigger problems than CDK selling off a piece of useless business. 
I like your point of view. And as a disclaimer, that's not why I brought it up. It wasn't for publicity. I really wanted to get your opinion. So I'm going to take your opinion. I'm going to segue right on over into what is wrong and what is right with the car business. Perfect. Really long and loaded question. Yes. But I'm going, to take a, I'm going to take a response from one of our audience members. Give me one second here because I, I, uh, I have to check the chat feed here. Um, so, folks, if uh, I do my best to, to see who's chiming in with questions. So, if you've got a question for Sean, throw it out. Here's one from Bill uh, asking, why have vendors created so much confusion for car dealers? Um, I'm gonna, that's, that's how we laid out the question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. What's right and what's wrong with the car business? But why, why do vendors create so much confusion? I mean, do they? Let's start there. So yeah, there's definitely some confusion that happens, but it, let's be clear about where it happens. It happens a lot on the sales side. Um, and we deal with probably more vendors than the average person, right? That is the business model uh, is to help all of our clients with that. So um, I think what Bill might be referring to is the, is the ability to the sales staff to keep an honest approach to things, right? Because all we hear at the car sales end, the actual literal selling of cars, is that we as an industry need to be more transparent. But somehow that doesn't actually transfer to the people we do business with in the car business as partnerships, right? Or vendors. So I think what Bill's saying is vendors need to be a little bit more upfront and not be afraid to say they don't know as opposed to lying and putting their foot in their mouths. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that I had that experience yesterday. Um, I found a very weird uh, spot in my analytics for one of my clients I was doing a spot review on. And I, I called out the vendor. I said, hey, you know, I show a really, really, really small number of phone calls versus the previous month. What do you see? And they said, oh, the previous month wasn't set up correctly. So instead of addressing the problem I had with their totals, they went ahead and tried to discredit previous month's totals. My problem with that was I know for a fact there's a high-value Honda store in Chicago. In the 23rd of the month, they had more than 35 calls their dealership. I, I don't even need Google Analytics to tell me that. I can tell you right now that is wrong. And they wanted to go and burn down the house of the previous vendor and not address their own problem. So I think there can be serious concerns because what you're sold a lot of times, unfortunately, isn't what comes out in the wash at a dealership level. So you want to talk about what's wrong? That's what's wrong. So why do you think, why do you think that is? Why do you think what is sold isn't what's, and, and that's, that's a general that's a, that's a general statement. There's some great companies out there. Agreed. There's just wonderful companies. We're talking about probably, let's, let's talk about 50-50 for right now. Okay. okay. I, to be- I mean, look, I just had Sean Rains on uh, a couple weeks ago and, and uh, this guy, you know, you know, Sean Rains got a big heart, but he's got bad taste in his mouth about all the shenanigans that go on in this business. And yeah. And uh, you know, you get in a room with him and he'll, you know, that's, that's how he sees it. He and I been in the room together. He and I did it. He was, he was on the show uh, when we were out in Orlando at Digital Dealer. He gets it. I heard him speak when we were out in uh, Denver at IDS. We both spoke and we saw you out there and we all talked about the same thing, which was the, the shenanigans going on. Like Sean says, the dealers are getting high gross. No one's paying any attention. We're not worried about the support. Again, you had to, you had to feed up of, of the five minutes with Sean. I probably got two or three vendor specific. What in the episodes because I just, I don't really care for it. Now, don't get me wrong, Ryan. They can't possibly fix what they're doing because that might not help me with my business, right? If vendors weren't bad at their jobs, it wouldn't show a place for me. But my point is I shouldn't have to work this hard running other people's businesses just so they can sign clients. And that's all we're worried about, Ryan. Sales cycle, get somebody on board. 
gets ask these people their biggest issue with tech companies is attrition because they lose them as fast as they gain them and they can't keep them because they're not worried about customer service because they think for four ninety nine, five ninety nine, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine, who's really going to care? Because car dealers have endless wealth of money. Not true. How much of the responsibility do does do the dealers have uh, as far as why the industry, the specifically the vendor, the vendor industry in, in automotive is the way it is. How much of a responsibility do you put on dealers for that? I put, I mean, it's probably a share because that's a shiny object syndrome. You know, I've worked with a lot of clients that, that, that bring all their decisions through us, but it's funny the decisions they don't bring through us. And all of a sudden I wake up, you know, on August 1st to look at someone's data set and there's an email campaign in there with just ridiculous numbers that looks fake, looks terrible. And then you ask the dealer, hey, what were you thinking? Oh man, he stopped by the store. He got me while I was on a coffee break. I signed up for four grand a month. Oh wait, what? What do you mean? So yeah, dude, it's, it's on both sides here. But here's the other thing. There's a lot of people out there who are doing that whole fear mongering thing, right? So it's like, well, Ryan, if you don't have digital retail, <laughs> You're going to go out of business, so you better sign up for digital retail tech, put on your website tomorrow. I mean, this is what we're hearing, right? Oh, you don't have chat? Oh, you don't do paid search? Oh, oh, well, you're behind your competition. You're this, you're that. So what we're doing a lot to scare one another unnecessarily. Um, and if you truly look at the value proposition of digital marketing, it probably isn't as valuable to you as you think or spend. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Hey, so... Typically, I keep the show to 30 minutes. Okay. I want to get a little bit deeper into that conversation, so I want to just kind of take a pause here. And, and uh, folks, you're tuned in here to the Auto Converse Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show. We do this every Wednesday uh, live on YouTube at 2 o'clock Central. You got Sean Welsh here from Car Biz Done Better. I'm Ryan Girardi. This is recorded. You can watch the video replay later. So make sure you're signed up for the show. Go to autoconversion.net, look under shows, and, and sign up for it. Or get out your phone and send a text message right now to, to 64600. Text the keyword autoconverse to 64600. We will send you a link to the show every week about 10, 15 minutes prior to when we go live. And again, if you can't tune in live, you got it right there in your phone. Because once this recording, once this stream ends, it's auto-archived and you have to have the link if you want to see it. Another way to tune in is get up to autoconverse.com and subscribe to the blog there. Because when we announce the show, uh, you'll get an email with a link to the post with the video in it. Uh, I did want to say we got Digital Dealer coming up right around the corner, August 19th, 20th, and 21st. And I'm happy to announce a special partnership that I'm doing with Fixed Ops Digital. So keep your eye out for some uh, information around the, the media booth that we're going to be doing with Fixed Ops Digital at the Digital Dealer Conference. We are automatically entering everyone who tunes in to our live shows uh, starting, we didn't have a show last week because I was on vacation, thus the uh, vacation beard here. Um, but uh, you're automatically entered for a drawing. We're gonna give away two free passes to Digital Dealer 27. Those are dealer passes. So if you're not a dealer, but you have relationships with them, let them know about the show and get them on here. We'll automatically uh, enter them for the drawing. And to be entered, all you do is Type in your name, say hi, let us so that we know that you tuned in for the show. Even if you tuned in for the recording, we can still enter you. Or if you like what we're doing, go to our Facebook page, leave us a review. Or if you listen to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Um, so Sean, going so I I just brought up Digital Dealer 
And you threw me a curveball because, you know, you're typically a big part. Those, that's a big part of your, of your branding strategy is participating in these events. You even did, did a, joint, a joint venture with, uh, with Matt Koenig and Rockstar. But you're not doing Digital Dealer this year. You're kind of shying away from the events. So enlighten us on why you're kind of backing out. And, and so, you know, I didn't do any event in 2018. For very specific reasons, I didn't do any events in 2018. Um, so I'd love to hear, you know, kind of fill me in. Why are you passing on the events for right yeah, now? Matt, uh, you know, it comes down to a couple of things. One, I think most importantly for us is that the podcast has really helped us sort of fill that void. Uh, the idea of being able to reach folks and being able to spread the message. Um, and, and, and the other part of it for me is every time that I've ever been asked, now this is where it gets into a little bit of, uh, of sour milk. You can hear it in my voice. It's fine. It, it plays into it and it should, because it gets a little personal for me is that, Every time we get asked to present, right, or we, we get asked to uh, submit our application to speak, which the whole process to me is nonsense. I've thought that since the beginning. I think if you're going to have a show, you should, you should get your talent and then tell them what to speak about. You pick them for a certain reason. But let's put that aside. You ask every single time to have a separate content, right, to never have duplicate content, never produce to the same show, never produce to other shows you've done anything to. Don't bring it to us either. So we've gone out of our way to do that for almost four straight years of no duplication and no sales pitch. Ryan, we don't have anything to sell. My whole goal, the whole mission statement of Card Biz Done Better is to leave the card biz better than we found it. So that can only be done through education. I go out to these shows to educate. People are like, oh, you're here to brand. You're always wearing your shirt. Well, I'm not an idiot. I mean, if I'm going to show it to a room of 500 people, 1,000 people, of course I'm going to wear my logo and my brand. That makes sense. But to go there to see it pencil, they don't make it inexpensive for vendors to attend, Ryan. I think you know that. Oh, yeah. um, so if you don't get spoke, if you don't get chosen to speak, now all of a sudden, you know, if you want to bring you and a business partner, your three G's in on tickets, then it's in Vegas or it's here. Now you and then you start to really pressure yourself. You're like, oh my God, I have to go talk to a dealer. I gotta go turn over some badges, you know, and it's it's this sort of desperation. You know, I've really noticed it the last couple of shows, the big shows. I'm going to caveat that, right? It's the big shows because I saw you at IDS. We had a blast. That was awesome. Little regional event, couple hundred people, very focused, very niche, two to three breakouts at one time. This makes sense, right? This makes sense. I'm going out to Game Changer in Toronto with Jason Harris in September. Dude, that kid gets it. He called me. He asked me to speak at his event. There's no 30-minute promotional video I got to give him or prove that I can speak in front of people. No, no, no. And then he said, here's what I want you to talk about because this is why I want you there. So this is, the, this is really what conferences should be about, but they become about filling the money hole. I get it. Everyone's in business for business. But guys, no, I shouldn't say no. I'm not going to say it. Very few folks are truly out trying to educate eight times out of 10 and I sit in more sessions than anyone because when I'm here, I'm five minutes. You've got to catch my attention or I'm out. And because they put on like 17 breakouts at a time, I can do that. So when I do that, all I chime in for is what are we talking about? We're selling things. People are talking about things, not in a sales pitch, but in like a, Hey, you better send gifts through your CRM full well knowing this CRM is the only one that can do that. Right. And every asset of what it does is what the conversation's about or fear-mongering dealers about listening to, you know, you can't trust Google Analytics. What are we doing? 
Why are we taking the business back a decade? We just agreed to this. Let's just, can we just leave it there? No, because it doesn't fit someone's narrative. The narrative selling is what's killed me, Ryan. So I, I didn't get chosen for digital dealer, which is what led to this in the, in the beginning. But okay. the fact of not being chosen now is comical and the excuses that follow are even worse. So I've decided to just scale back and really focus on the Carbiz Chronicles on five minutes. And more importantly, the clients I have are my best resource to future clients anyways. And that's 98% of Carbiz business over six years, refer. So when you, when you back all that out and you back out expense, Ask yourself, what's the point? You know, do I like seeing everyone? Sure. Do I like everyone's free parties? Absolutely. Am I over Vegas and Orlando? By far. I'm smiling because uh, Mike Phillips hashtagged you. He says, Sean Welsh, power against the conference. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 people have been bringing it up, Ryan. It's been a conversation people have been wanting to have the last couple of weeks. It's very odd. You know, as soon as we start talking about it, more folks talk about it. More folks talk about the value. Um, and look, I've been paid to speak. I'm not being paid to speak. I'm paying to speak at these conferences. And, and, and you have to kind of reverse back and kind of see it for what it is. That's like I said, that's why I really like the small independent shows. Um, we just spoke at NIADA, Ryan. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever been out there to the independents. Mm-hmm. What a completely different event. Everyone has their badge turned up. So you know they're a dealer so that they can stop you. I got stopped at dinner. I got stopped in the bathroom. I got stopped before I went in my hotel room. They all were thirsty for education. Those are the kind of things that I'm willing to do and listen to because they asked us to speak and then be there to support their message. That's what we, that's what we would rather do. Do you think that, as a, generally speaking, that dealers genuinely do want the education? Is the education received, absorbed, and applied? At these conferences or in general? In general, because the, the whole idea behind the conference is large in part the education. For, uh, for example, when you go to Digital Dealer, typically, m- typically the exhibit hall, you get, you get flurries of, of dealers passing through 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Why? Because they're in the breakout sessions. That's why the dealers go there. Uh, of course, I'm sure some people get their dealers to send them out there so they can get wine and dine and go to some of these parties. But it, it's not like the breakout sessions or the sessions in general, the education sessions, typically the rooms are pretty full. I mean, I would say that that's why dealers are there. But a thousand dealers is a pretty small portion of the number of people that are in the business that need the education. And it seems to be the same folks, you know, that come to these events for for lack of a better word. I mean, you'll see some different people, et cetera. but, But realistically for me, if it were truly about education, because that's what I believe it should be, you believe it should be, then we there's no way... You're doing anyone a service by having this many speakers and this many breakouts. Okay. It's just not, I, yeah. I, I can't see if education first, then it should be about what do people want to be talking about? Not what did your title sponsor want to bring to speak about? Yeah. That, that's not it. What do the people want you to be talking about? And all I ever hear from my sessions is Sean, thank you so much for not trying to sell me something. Thank you so much for the education, blah, blah, blah. That's all I, that's all I care to do. And if you're going to make it difficult for us or you're going to have us go out of our way to do things, to try and be a part of it, and then basically just tell us, look, we, we accept you to speak at the last one. We can't expect you to speak at this one. When you have people pre-approved for future events, it just looks bad. And the main reason that I know I don't fit in is the same reason that I don't fit in most places is I don't do things politically correct. I don't do things worrying about what a bigger entity will think about what I've done. 
uh, I don't work for a corporation for a reason. That's what I can do and say as I want for what's best for my company. And being outspoken about outdated conferences doesn't seem like something that's going to scare me into submission. It's funny. I've been in business for myself for about a decade now. And, uh, you know, I've also worked for startups and companies. I'm same boat, not really into the corporate culture. The reality is we need large organizations to some extent. They, they drive capitalism. They drive industry. We yes. need them. And those are good cultures for, for the masses. They're just not, they're yeah. just not for everyone. And I, I got to say, I find I'm able to do more of what I need to do with people like yourself that don't have their hands tied behind their back, serve, you know, working for the man. Um, there's, it really comes with some strings attached. Uh, but, but there is, but they're just a part of uh, they're a part of business. They are what they but are. Ryan, it can be that way anyway. Right, man. So like if you and you were talking, I, when I used to represent an OEM, right, I can't be this. I, even oh. though I'm not directly employed by that OEM or a contract, it doesn't matter. You, you, you have to go about as you work there, as you, as you look and breathe. And so, you know, no, man, I, for us, being independent is one thing, but being able to do business our way to make changes without meetings about meetings about meetings, when a change needs to be made, sit down, look at each other, say, make that change. Make that change and move forward. Come on, man. It doesn't get any better than that. So I got to wind the show down because we're okay. – we're across the mark. Got to wind the show down. Yeah. Every, every show I, I, I pick a special day, like today's pioneer day. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know, you always have these little, uh, I don't even know if you call them holidays. What are they? Commemorative days. There's always three or four. So I, I try to pick one that's somewhat related to how we're connected and how we get around pioneer day, which is today is to commemorate actually the pioneers, which are more classified as the Mormons that, that moved West into Utah. And that's yeah. what the, the day commemorates. And, um, and, you know, this is all back in the 1700s. You know, the pioneers get on the wagons and, uh, you know, and... Uh, the Oregon Trail, right, right? Yeah, the Oregon Trail. So today is Pioneer Day. So happy Pioneer Day to everybody. Happy Pioneer Day, everyone. Thanks for doing what you did. Um, other special news. We're pretty much celebrating the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, which is the spacecraft that put, uh, put man on the moon. Uh, and, um, so that kind of came up, I think what last week was, was the official anniversary. Here's what's weird. You're, you and I are probably about the same age. I'm going to be 44 next month. Yeah. That so, takes a lot, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> nope. Not yet, but thanks anyway. No, you down there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So the number yet, but I appreciate you. I got a clue that I got to shave this shit or lose a chin. <laughs> I'm good at backhanded comments, man. Leave it to me. <laughs> Um, anyway, I just think it's funny because I remember being a kid and you know, the whole in elementary school and you see pictures of man on the moon, it was black and white. Yeah. It looked archaic, but to think back that it was only about 10 years prior to seeing that is, uh, really puts a lot of contrast on time. Did you know this? This is cool. The, if you think back to 69, so late sixties computers back then, what'd you say? Woodstock. Woodstock. That's where my head goes. Okay. So back then, a computer as powerful as our smartphones today were the size of like, like three office rooms. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so NASA put it on IBM. They said, hey, we want to send, you know, JFK, we want to send a man to the moon. We need, we need computer technology to get us there. It was a crapshoot for IBM. This was like, they didn't know if this was going to work. 
And if you think back to how phenomenal that is, they actually, you know, this is what started Silicon Valley was putting man on the moon was pre was getting IBM to make these chips. And I read a stat when they would produce a batch of a thousand chips of these uh, processing chips. If one was bad, the whole batch was, was uh, destroyed. Yikes. The whole batch was trashed. Yikes. So I don't know. I find stuff like that. Just fun facts like that. Pretty, pretty fascinating. 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. And, uh, we haven't, moon, been, haven't been back on the moon since, but we got, no, we're trying to get to Mars now. There's a hell of a race with all these, all these rich dudes trying to get all those big corporations you mentioned earlier with their capitalism, trying to get to the moon. So congratulations yeah. to them. <laughs> well, I hope to get out there someday. All right. Have you used the new face app, the face aging app? Are you familiar with that? Absolutely not, Ryan. I do not use applications uh, ever, except for when I have to work through Google drive or Gmail as an application. So no, I don't. Um, and, uh, I've seen a couple of funny, you know, things out there, musical reference. My wife this morning showed me, a, a one of John Mayer and now it's, he's looked into Jerry Garcia. I find that funny. I'm a huge dead fan. Um, so I get it. I've seen other people do it, but, uh, no, dude, I don't, I, I got, I got TSA pre-check. Weird enough, give my fingerprint for the first time in my life. I don't want to give my face to somebody. <laughs> do you think about that with apps? Like what, what kind of data is being transmitted to these app developers? No. No, then I would never have any. Absolutely <laughs> not. Dude. It is agreed upon that someone is watching my shit as long as my phone's on. Yeah. And as long as that means they can find me, if anything ever happens to me, then, 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 then bravos to everybody else. But yeah, do I assume the mic's on? Do I assume the location's on? I assume all that, uh, but I still need my phone. So not much I can do about it. I've mentioned this on my show before. There's a book I read called The Computer State. It was written in 1983, 1984. I usually have it right next to me, but it's not here right now. But fascinating book, because if you think back to the, to the 80s, this book was talking about the unintended consequences of computer technology and, and the internet before the internet was really a known thing at the time. Um, but yeah, you see an app like, like this face aging app um, collecting everybody's faces Dude, I, I don't know, man. That and then you wonder out. how you have all this fake video, right? And it's like, well, you're using face apps. Like, what? Snapchat's no different than a face app. You put a filter on it, take a pic. I mean, it's the same. It doesn't age people, but I mean, it's terrifying. I mean, you're all aging out so that they can have a database in case you do something crazy and go on the run to have an idea what you look like. I mean, again, dude, you assume all that stuff's happening. If you don't, then just go back to a flip phone. <laughs> My aunt just bought a flip phone. My great aunt, I should say. She really it's awesome. Flip phone. I wish I could live from a flip phone. I had a week's vacation without my phone. The first thing I thought when I got back and looking at it was I just resented it. Yeah? Every part of it. Yeah. Where'd you go on vacation? Uh, my wife and I took a road trip from uh, Santa Cruz, California, up the coast uh, to Portland, Oregon. Okay. Very Six cool. Six days of hike in the uh, Redwood Forest. Wait, when did you do this? I did this June 21st through the 27th. Okay. Because I just got back from about a 10 day vacation in New Hampshire up in the white, the, the white mountain national forest. And, um, just probably 50 miles below the Canadian border. And, uh, we spent a day in Portland, Maine for the first time I'd been out there. That was a great little town. You ever been there? No, we're, my wife and I are really looking forward to getting ourselves out to that facet of the, of the country. We're going out to, uh, to Boston to shoot some episodes of the Chronicles with a couple of sharp people out there in the Boston, Connecticut area. So, and then the Chronicle road trip will take us down through the South again, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Cincinnati stops along the way. So 
We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up, dude. Thank you again. I know you're winding up the show. Thank you again for having me on. Yeah, uh, I really, really appreciate you giving me the time, especially to promote uh, the Chronicles in five minutes. Those things mean a lot to me. They're, they're a real big reason why we do what we do. So thanks again for the chance. You're welcome. And I, uh, I love what you're doing. I'm a fan. And, uh, you know, uh, so folks, if you're not familiar with Sean and Carb is Done Better, uh, was it carbisdonebetter.com, right? It's a website. Yeah, carbisdonebetter.com. Right? And then he's got links over to, uh, to uh, his playlist on YouTube for five minutes with Sean and Carb is Done Better. And if you look in the show notes here on the blog, we've got links to those as well. All right, Sean Welsh, everybody. We're going to go ahead and wind the show down. Thank you, Sean. And again, this is recorded and put up onto the Autoconverse podcast, typically within a few days we have that. So thanks for being a subscriber to the podcast. We appreciate you. And remember, uh, just let us know that you listen to the show and we will automatically enter you in for our drawing uh, for two free tickets to Digital Dealer, which is next month in August. And you can also get your discount uh, by going, uh, going to register and entering the promo code ACDD27. So hit up the site. I'll put the, put the promo code in the show notes. And I think that's about it. Next week, we have Bart Wilson coming on. Bart is the COO of Driving Sales. They're getting ready for the Driving Sales Executive Summit in October. And we're putting a nice little partnership together with Bart and Driving Sales. So uh, he will be on next week. And shout out to uh, Jason Unrau and, and uh, Catherine Swan for uh, joining us last, uh, not last week, but the week before. There was no show last week because, as you just heard, I was on vacation. So... Uh, Ryan Girardi signing off. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you same time, same place next week. And we're going to go ahead and take this offline. Have a great week, everyone. This is Autoburst Media.